You've all heard the saying, there is no I in team. Well, that's partly correct. But we each bring a unique perspective and experience when working as a team. So it can be viewed as a collective group of eyes that work together to build a team of success. Welcome to Unleash Your Inner Goldilocks. How to get it just right with host Dr. Cass Henry. In today's program, we'll uncover the tools of team success in order to achieve winning results. Now, here is Dr. Cass Henry. Welcome to Unleash Your Inner Goldilocks, How to Get It Just Right. I'm Dr. Cass Henry, and I'm thrilled to share another hour with you. Business strategy is a structured methodology of linking mission, vision, and value proposition to a desired outcome in a measurable way while remaining relevant in the economic marketplace. Therefore, business strategy is an effective tool for business, but not just business, for -for not-for-profits, for governmental agencies, or even professional athletes and singers as they all have to build their brand with the purpose and use it strategically to drive their economic engine to be viable. Therefore, we all must take a moment to understand how the strategic process works and then take a page from there and shape our personal and professional pursuits accordingly. Not having a plan is our clear plan to fail, and there is no exception to this rule. Knowledge is always power. Knowing what to do, when to do, and whom to rely on is vital for success, both in our professional and personal lives. A U.S. Air Force Special Ops pilot famously said, hope is not a strategy. Taking our skills and hoping that we're going to succeed or hope it'll pay off or hope we're going to make money and we're going to be able to make a living or hope we're going to get famous is really not a strategy. And this uh, Air Force Special Ops pilot's famous words truly emphasizes the importance of having a roadmap, a plan. If the plan does not yield the desired results the first time, we don't go ahead and change the goal or the purpose because the intended goal and purpose are still front and center. What we need to do is change the plan. It's almost like I get in the car and I am going towards a destination. If the road is blocked because of an accident or bad weather or there was another car crash, I don't change my destination. I just change my route to get to my destination. And strategy and planning is just that. We keep our goal front and center. We keep the goal in focus and we change the plan to get there. And finding the right rhythm and plan to accomplish the intended goal ultimately is what's going to serve us well. In this episode, Sports as a Business, Lessons from a Pro, we will hear the professional journey of Alan Santana, a multi-talented professional boxer who learned his life lessons and translated all those lessons learned into writing the book Unprotected. Tune in and take a page from the chronicles of the pro. Then apply it to developing your own strategy and stop being unprotected. It is your responsibility, your personal responsibility to make sure that you protect yourself. And here is an opportunity to learn how to go about it. 
You do not have to be an athlete to benefit from this conversation. Everyone can find their path to economic empowerment by using this as their blueprint. Don't leave it to chance. Take control of your own destiny. Please join us and engage in the conversation. Ellen, welcome to the show, and I'm so happy to have you have this conversation with. Thank you, Dr. Henry, for having me on your show to talk about my book. I'm uh, honored to be here. My great pleasure. I have taken the time and read the book, and I am very, very impressed of how you have taken your own experience and taken your journey and actually helped solve other people's unintended consequences proactively so that they don't go through what you have gone through, right? So I'm, I'm, I'm always a believer that smart people learn from other people's mistakes and good people share their mistakes so that other people get smarter. So thank you so much for what you have shared. You're welcome. Thank you. I was fortunate because I, I didn't actually experience that as a, as a professional athlete. You know, my, my career was cut short after about mm-hmm. 10 professional fights. But I was also fortunate that I had the mindset and, I guess, the skills to to actually make myself stand out when I was a professional athlete. So I knew what I needed to do to make myself head, you know, stand head and shoulders above everybody else. Back then, I was able to get pulled out of press conferences, and they would actually do interviews with me, and then they would mark, use me and say, hey, this is how you should dress, this is how you should speak. So oh, beautiful. I kind of learned at an early age what I needed to do. Wonderful, wonderful. And you're sharing that wealth that is priceless. So why don't you just walk us through the process of how you started as a a young athlete and what got you to a place where you decided to write this book and give other people the empowerment? Sure. You know, my my journey started when I was about eight years old because I was bullied as a as a child, and so I you know you got I got tired of being bullied, so went to my father and he uh, taught me how to defend myself. Well, that led into you know um, my, that was he went and bought boxing gloves for me in a heavy mm-hmm. bag, and so I started learning how uh, to box. I learned how to box at a young age, and I really took to the sport. I actually loved the sport as a kid, and I found it challenging. And uh, again, it was a competitive sport that I could compete at, and I didn't have to be six foot tall, you know, or 250 pounds to, you know, to play a sport. So that was always uh, a good thing is being kind of a small kid and being able to, uh, you know, be in a sport where I could play one-on-one with somebody or, you know, compete against somebody one-on-one. That was, that was a plus, and I thought it was a positive. So I started my journey, like I said, at eight years old. That then um, led into an array of boxing matches for the next 20, what, almost 20, 19 years, actually, uh, where I was an amateur fighter. Wow. And through, throughout that 19-year amateur career, which is a very extensive career, I, uh, you know, I had already kind of fine-tuned my skills. I had well over 200 amateur fights, and I was the type of person that I always liked to talk, and I always liked to dress nice. Even as a kid, I, I liked clothes. So <laughs> when I turned professional, I had already kind of laid the, you know, laid the path for myself and what I needed to do to make myself stand out above other uh, athletes when we were going to press conferences. So when I would sit at these, going to the press conferences, I always went dressed in a suit and tie. And it always made me, uh, they'd always come over and pick, you know, pick me out of the, the, the bunch of fighters that we were with there at the, at the weigh-ins of the press conferences. And I would do interviews off to the side. 
Mm-hmm. So and it's interesting I, you say that because mm-hmm. you didn't let what was going on define you. You had your own brand you wanted to build. And you exactly. let everything you did find that purpose and that brand and make it your own. I'm very impressed. Go ahead. So anyways, I knew by doing that it would, it would set me apart from everybody else. So that was kind of my, that was my thing. I want you to say you mm-hmm. talk about branding yourself. Well, I was kind of ahead of the game already at that point. And again, we're going back 30 years, over 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. So doing that set me apart from everybody else. So then when I started my professional career, I was 27 years old. And even at that point, they said, well, you're, you're too old to fight professionally. But what they didn't realize is I had, a, again, a long, extensive amateur career, and I never really stopped going to the gym. So it wasn't like I had taken a layout. You know, I laid off for a year mm-hmm. or two. I continued to fight and, and um, stay in great, great shape, actually. And, and, you know, I felt the transition from the amateurs to the professionals was very easy for me. So... As my career, my professional career starts, I, I continue on the same way. I've always dressed in suits and ties, mm-hmm. you know, and making sure that I stood out above everybody. I had an, uh, an agent that I was working with, George J., who was a talent agent in Hollywood. Uh, I went in one day to see him uh, because of a friend of mine that had come out from New York and said, hey, I need to, you want to go to, I need to take you to this talent, talent mm-hmm. agent. And so I went with them. And signed a, a deal with George Che right on the spot when he, once he saw me. So that was kind of, that set the tone again. So as I'm in the gym, now you think about it, you're in the gym seven days a week, pretty much, yes. when you're training as mm-hmm. an athlete, a professional athlete, and preparing for a professional fight. So as I'm in the gym, I could see, you know, there was the guys like uh, Michael Dokes. Michael Dokes was a world heavyweight champion at one point. You had Henry Tillman in the gym also, who was another, uh, he was an Olympian athlete. So mm-hmm. I was surrounded by all these uh, top-notch fighters and even top amateurs in the in this one gym in Los Angeles that we trained out of. And the first, my first ex, uh, exposure to an athlete making quite a bit of money and going broke was a gentleman, a, a fighter there in the gym by the name of we used to call him Thickpin. He was a, a bantamweight fighter that entered into the Budweiser boxing tournament, which was at the Forum. And he mm-hmm. wanted winning that tournament. Now, the, at the time, this guy weighed about 110 pounds, maybe 112 pounds. That was his weight class, fight class. Um, so once he wins a tournament, he wins about $175,000 in, in cash. They also give him a car. Well, he disappears for about three or four months. And when he comes back to the gym, now, mind you, this time, we're still, all the guys are still training and working out. He, he shows back up. He put on probably 30, 40 pounds, and he was broke. Mm-hmm. So I talked to this guy because he was a friend of mine. I said, you know, wow, what, what happened to your money? He goes, mm-hmm. he goes man, we, we partied every day. He goes, I even sold the car that I won because I needed money. Well, I thought, wow, that's, that's just a terrible thing, you know. And at that point, okay. I'd already started my paving company. I was already a contractor at that point, even while I was fighting professionally. Because the rule of thumb is your career is not going to last forever and something might happen. So you need something to fall back on. So I, you know, I had already started my paving company, knowing mm-hmm. that I wasn't going to fight at 27 years old for the rest of my life. I probably have, if I was lucky, a five-year career maximum. So, yes. and then uh-huh. with me, my career was cut short uh, because of an accident I had. So I think I, right around 30 years old, my career got cut short. And I was done. Mm-hmm. So again, fortunately, I had my my paving company to fall back on to support my wife and um, mm-hmm. you know, support us. 
So there were quite a few things you packed in there, right? Your plan was to stand out, be your own person, do it in your own way, and do it in a way that it was not just physical, it was also cerebral. And your plan was not just to pursue your athletic professional career, but you also planned to have a backup plan just in case as a contingency. Now, that is truly strategic, right? Whether you actually went through strategically or your gut instincts told you to hedge your bets and give yourselves options, either way, you ended up having a strategy and having a plan. And I really want to dig into that a little deeper as we talk through when we come back from our break, because I think there is a huge lesson there for everybody to learn, whether they go into a athletic career or yeah. any other career. And I think this is where the true unparalleled value of your book and your advice is going to come into play for all our audience. If you are looking for an outstanding keynote speaker, look no further than Dr. Cass Henry. Cass is available to speak to your company. She also offers organizational leadership development seminars and workshops. These seminars can integrate learning and development, customer service, processes, and financial growth. Positive, motivated employees care about their customers and work products. Visit CassHenry.com or follow Dr. Cass Henry on Facebook. That's CassHenry.com for more information. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at VoiceAmericaTRN. Organizational training does not have to be a difficult job. Visit Dr. Cass Henry's site to find out more about her organizational training curriculum development and global organizational training webinars. These informative webinars cover leadership development, career path and succession planning, financial performance improvement and change management, and corporate finance. For more information, please visit CassHenry.com and follow Cass Henry on Facebook. That's CassHenry.com. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. You're listening to Unleash Your Inner Goldilocks. How to get it just right. To reach Dr. Cass Henry or her guest today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Henry at hotmail.com. Now, back to this week's program. back to Unleash Your Inner Goldilocks, How to Get It Just Right. You're joining us in the episode, Sports as a Business, Lessons from a Pro. Alan, when we went for the break, we were talking about how beautifully you, consciously or unconsciously, you can walk us through that process, that you truly had a strategy and you had a plan and you had a backup plan. And your ability to have those contingencies allowed you to draw from those plans and not stop what you needed to do personally and professionally to support yourself and support your family. What made you go through and have that backup plan? And did you do that consciously or is that something that you learned from childhood that, you know, you always have a plan and a B and a C? 
You know, I, I was fortunate. My father was a very successful contractor. And mm-hmm. so, you know, you, I had a, a wonderful role model in my father. And so I always wanted to kind of emulate everything he did. So I basically followed his footsteps. You know, he was a professional boxer. And I didn't find that out until I was a little bit older. But he was a professional fighter. So, you know, I was a professional fighter. He ran a fairly successful business. So I decided, you know, why not go into business and, and kind of either do the same thing. Or I had dabbled in numerous businesses myself. But I, I felt that, you know, going into the the paving business or the construction business was probably the best uh, route for me to go because I see I saw the potential there and how I could uh, be very successful. So that's I, I like I said I was fortunate that I had a great role model, but then also I was also very uh, a very self motivated person and I I had always wanted to be successful, be it in boxing or be it a, as a businessman. So I knew that I had to do something, you know. That again, like I said, told you earlier, I wasn't going to be able to fight all my life. And I knew that I had, had to have something to fall back on after my fight career was over. So that's why I planned on starting, you know, my, that, that particular business. I was already, at the time, in another business as well. So, but uh, I closed that one down and I decided that I wanted to go into the, the paving business. That is wonderful. And it, it is so important to have a role model. And ones who have that in their immediate family is very blessed. What is your advice for athletes who are using sports to get out of their circumstances and have no role model to look up to? Well, because I want to give you some statistics, okay? When you talk mm-hmm. about athletes and becoming, actually making it to the ranks of, of the pros, be it boxing or baseball, football. Here's an example in high school. Okay, you have over a million athletes in high school, okay? Mm-hmm. Typically, from there, that's going to narrow down to when they go into college, 72,000 of those uh, athletes are now in college. Now, when they get drafted to the pros, I'm talking about football, okay? From that 72,000, you have a pool of about 250 athletes that actually make it into the pros. So when you take the numbers and you look at that, it's like 1 in 4,000 and 1 in 4,200 actually make it uh, into the pros and become a professional athlete out of high school. So the numbers are pretty slim. You know, when you go to basketball, you're looking at one in 11,000. So the numbers are really, uh, you know, very uh, slim there, and the odds of actually becoming a professional athlete are, it's tough. So, you know, you go back and, and, again, you have guys that are in college. This is another reason I wrote this book. I, I saw too many athletes that were going to college. And a lot of those guys, you have to think about this. If they're playing football or baseball or even basketball, they don't have time to study a lot of times. They're, they're, most of the time they're on buses traveling from state to state or flying from state to state to, and preparing for, for the sport that they're involved with. So that takes up a lot of their time. And that's why uh, I've always said you see a lot of these athletes as they come out of college and they go into the pro ranks. You know, you're, you're sign- a lot of these guys are signing uh, you know, million dollar deals, ten million dollar deals, a hundred million dollar deals today, and you see so many of these guys going broke, uh, men and women, and that again is that's a, that 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 just shows that there's something wrong within the system that is not teaching these guys or these athletes, both male or female, the proper tools that they need to be successful and not be taken advantage of. That is so true, right? And 
not just athletes, even people who are very good in coding or technology or have artistic or musical skills, we are not giving young people the economic, financial, business acumen to go and take their skills and make something of themselves. Right, right. And I agree. You know, I'm going to throw some numbers at you. And I put these in my book. There's some statistics on a couple of athletes, okay? This, here's Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson earned over $350 million and wound up broke at one point. Evander wow. Holyfield earned over $250 million and wound up broke. You know, then I'm going to go down to Latrell Sprewell, who was a basketball player. He earned over $100 million and he filed for bankruptcy. You know, and the list goes on and on and on. And you go, why does this keep happening? And I, I have to go back and say that, honestly, what happens, these athletes, be it in boxing, baseball, football, basketball, they get taken advantage of by managers, by sports agents, by people that usually represent them, and they see that these athletes aren't prepared, um, uh, I guess, um, educationally to, and, and to handle uh, the success that they have, the monetary successes that they now have thrown upon them. And so they don't know what to do or where to turn. So the first thing they do is they sign a contract as a professional. Now, I've had numerous fighters call me and say, Alan, I'm in a mess with, uh, with one of the promoters. And I won't mention any names. Yeah. I had one guy call out of New York, and he said, look, I'm, in a, I'm a top 10 fighter. I've signed with a, a specific promoter, and he's not fighting. I said, can you send me a copy of the contract? So he sent me the contract. I said, did you read this contract before you signed it? He goes, no, I just signed it. They, uh, they threw some money in front of me, and I signed the contract, and now I'm stuck. I said, well, guess what? You're stuck for another two years unless you have money to buy your way out of this or you have good, a good attorney that's going to represent you. You're, there's nothing you can do. So I've seen that repeatedly happen. You know, there, were, there were professional fighters going back into the 1950s that I knew personally that I met at the gym. Um, again, I won't mention any names. You know, mm-hmm. these guys are no longer with us, but the, there were fighters that made back in the day, which would be equivalent to tens of millions of dollars today. They were flat broke. One of these guys couldn't even read or write and he was signing contracts. And I said, how could wow. you sign that if you didn't know what you were signing? That what they were doing was taking his money, investing his money that he earned into properties. And when his career was done, they said, oh, guess what? We don't, there's nothing here for you. He said, well, what happened to my money? They said, well, you spent it. I goes, no, you guys, you guys shafted me, basically. I didn't know what I was signing. So, again, you see this all too often happening, and it's, a t- it's terrible that, you know, I, I say the waters are infested with sharks in my book. Mm-hmm. And they truly are because you have to know how to navigate around those sharks and be able to, like I said, read a contract and know what you're getting yourself into before you sign that contract. Oh, that is so important. And people forget that when they sign a document, it has so much obligations, right? And they see yeah. the money and they think something is going to work out. Um, it, 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 here's another example. Okay, so say I'm going to use this number, a uh, mm-hmm. uh, million dollars. So you're, fight, you're preparing for a professional fight. You have a million dollar fight ahead of you. Here's what a lot of professional boxers fail to realize. So now they said, well, I'm making a million dollars. Well, the reality is you're not making a million dollars because, first of all, you have to pay 33 and a third percent to your manager. So right there off of, from that $1 million, you have to take away $333,000. 
That's a wow. big chunk. Now, on top of that, you have 10% that you have to give to your trainer. That's another 100000 mm-hmm. So now you've taken over $400,000 away from that $1 million. Now, on top of that, you have training expenses. You have to pay taxes, federal and state taxes. So let's put that right around 28%. So there's another $280,000. So by the time you're done, that $1 million is now probably shrunk down to about 300000 if you're lucky. A lot of athletes, a lot of fighters fail to realize that. They just see the million dollars and they say, wow, I'm making a million dollars. But at the end of the day, when it's all said and done, you're lucky to wind up with about a third of that. That's if you're lucky. Yes. And so I think that's why reading your book, understanding how some of these things are interconnected and what type of questions to ask, how to plan ahead, those become so very vital. And I cannot... I cannot appreciate the value. I I cannot tell other people on how much they can get out of this book other than just take a moment, read it, make the notes, and make it their own, right? Correct, yes. And again, it's very Mm -hmm. important because I I wrote it as an educational book. I mean, there is a story in there. My story is in there, but I also Mm -hmm. wanted to educate athletes. And it it doesn't matter if you're a professional boxer, if you're a baseball player, or what, what sports you want to venture into this this book was written across all genres of sport and also mm-hmm. I wrote it for anybody that wanted to go into business just an everyday person that wanted to go into business because I put tips on there on how you incorporate yourself how you get a um, a federal tax ID number you know how you open a bank a bank account up mm-hmm. you would be surprised how many people don't even know how to open a bank account up that's true. And people don't realize even if their business is themselves, they need to separate their personal life from their professional life and have a separate tax ID number so that the liabilities don't transfer from the professional life into their personal life, right? And a lot of people don't understand that. Mm-hmm. No, they don't. Again, they just think, well, I'm making all this money, you know, and that, that's the end of mm-hmm. it. Well, again, you have taxes to pay. You have, if you have employees, you have to pay, you know, obviously you have to pay wages. So there, again, there's a lot that goes into running a business and it just uh, boggles my mind sometimes how many people think that, well, just, oh, I'm going to go start a business without really having any knowledge or educating themselves on uh, what they're getting into, what they're getting themselves into. You know, I, I've been fortunate that I've been in business for 30 years now. And uh, I've had a long, my, my business has lasted for 30 years. Yes, I, you know, I've had peaks and valleys as well. And mm-hmm. I've had to maneuver my way through some, sometimes some very difficult issues. Because, as you know, when you're in business, there's, there, it's not just all about, hey, I'm going to sign a contract. I'm going to go out and do the work. You have lots of other things that, are, that, that come into play, you mm-hmm. know, just to, to complete this particular project. So, and, again, a lot of people don't realize that. And that is such wonderful insight. With that, let's go for a break. Come back and pick this conversation right back up. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. Organizational training does not have to be a difficult job. Visit Dr. Cass Henry's site to find out more about her organizational training curriculum development and global organizational training webinars. These informative webinars cover leadership development, career path and succession planning, financial performance improvement and change management, and corporate finance. For more information, please visit CassHenry.com and follow Cass Henry on Facebook. 
That's KASHenry.com. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. If you are looking for an outstanding keynote speaker, look no further than Dr. Cass Henry. Cass is available to speak to your company. She also offers organizational leadership development seminars and workshops. These seminars can integrate learning and development, customer service, processes, and financial growth. Positive, motivated employees care about their customers and work products. Visit CassHenry.com or follow Dr. Cass Henry on Facebook. That's KASHenry.com for more information. You're listening to Unleash Your Inner Goldilocks. How to get it just right. To reach Dr. Cass Henry or her guest today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Henry at hotmail.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome to Unleash Your Inner Goldilocks, How to Get It Just Right. You're joining us from the break. We are uh, having the episode Sports as a Business, Lessons from a Pro. You're joining uh, Alan Santana and I in our very, very interesting conversation. Alan, as we went to break, we were talking about the importance of having a official tax ID-based entity set up, even if we as individuals are using our skills to start a economic uh, financial generating business, right? right? And what what we run into, what I run into in my professional life is even doctors, dentists, chiropractors, people who are have gone through very rigorous education at universities for years and years and years. Even they are not taught how to separate the two. They're all taught their craft but not how to take their craft and run it as a business. And so you're talking about how this book is going to help athletes and people who are starting a business. But this can also be applied by professionals who have all the business acumen in terms of their craft, but not the acumen to run it as a business. Right, right. So again, you know, you, I, when I when I wrote this book, I I gave it a lot of thought, and I, you know, I just sat down and I started writing it, and I went in, I did some research, obviously, and you know, I just felt that it was important to put the different topics that I did put in the book and that I that I discussed in the book ever so mm-hmm. briefly. Period. So I, you know, I, and I I wrote the book from the perspective I don't want it, I didn't want to have a book that was three or four hundred pages long because I just felt that it wasn't necessary. And then again mm-hmm. I didn't want to lose the attention span of the people that were reading the book. I wanted to make sure that the points that I put in there were relevant and that they were important enough that people would actually sit down and read and take something away from this book once they were done reading it. So as as other people read this book, and as you wrote this book, there is a school of thought that if everything is approached as a business, and just a school of thought, that maybe the humanity of things and the passion and everything a person brings to the table could turn into something cold and hard. I don't personally subscribe to it because I believe that the structure and the strategy gives direction 
and gives multiple options of what routes to take. And as long as we keep the purpose and the value proposition in place, the humanity of a person is not lost. What are your thoughts on that? That's very interesting. That's an interesting question. So, and again, I, as you know, you, you've known me because you're, you're on my board of directors for my nonprofit. I think you're getting mm-hmm. to know what type of person I am. I'm a, I'm a very giving person. Yes. I, you know, I, I, I do things. When I do things, I do it with a passion. There's always passion behind what I do because if I don't have that passion, then I can't, I can't get involved with something or I don't want to do it. So I, I either mm-hmm. I'm all in or I'm not, you know? Yes. I think that, you know, again, going back to the book and, doing what I've done with the book, I want to help people and I, you know, I want to leave something in this world when I'm no longer saying, hey, that guy did a good job and he cared about people and, you know, he wanted to see other people succeed, which I truly do. I think that there, you know, in today's world, there's so much going on with technology and, you know, it's not like um, going 30, 40 years back or even 50 or 60 years ago or even further back when you had all the, you know, the big industrialists coming along with trains and, you know, putting trains, uh, railroads across the country and uh, opening up, you know, building the skyscrapers that we had, mm-hmm. you know, built up, you know, 100 years ago. So there's still opportunity there. And I think what's most important is, you know, when you're going through school, you have to figure out what, what, what it is that you want to do. You know, mm-hmm. how can you um, be an uh, upst- upstanding person in society and be a productive person and, you know, leave something, leave a legacy mm-hmm. uh, you know, when it's all said and done? So, that's, again, it's important. I think that, you know, in, in today's world with the technology and all, all the different things we have going on Facebook and, you know, that book and this book, I think that <laughs> it, it's important that people find a niche. You know, you don't have to be – I tell people, like you – you can you can find something and you can and and build on it and even if it's an existing idea, go ahead and try to make it bigger and better or you know whatever it is, faster, stronger. But do mm-hmm. something that that where you can at the end of the day say, look, I I did something and I I made a difference in the world. I think that's important. Oh, that's so very important. And a lot of people struggle with how do I take my passion and turn it into a economic generation machine, right? And I always, my advice to them is take your passion and then look at all your skills and look at what are your skill sets that are going to complement your passion and bring it to life. And then how do you take a combination of that and figure out a niche where you can have an economic prosperity. The cusp of those three elements is where you're going to make your mark as well as make a living, right? You need to do both. And as long as they don't, you lose their passion and purpose, then the money will come. Yeah, that that is true. I have a dear friend that, uh, Rodney, he started a company called Blackout Fight Gear, and he was a contractor. He was a landscaping contractor. And I think he just got mm-hmm. tired of the, you know, the, it was being a contractor is just rigorous on a day-to-day basis. You have so many challenges that yes. you have to deal with. And he got tired. And, and so what he did, now, mind you, he's, he has never been in a boxing business or anything. He decides mm-hmm. that he's going to make a better boxing glove. And he also is going to make a better headgear and, you know, better protective gear. And he took his product out on the road. I've witnessed this. And so, again, I know that mm-hmm. for anybody that's listening to this show, no matter what your passion is, I don't care if it's building a better boxing glove or building a better basketball, 
go out and pursue it and do what you need to do to be successful. I've watched this man travel literally across the country in a van and go to boxing gyms and gyms all over the country. And his product is now, um, it's, it's in boxing gyms. It's becoming well-known, and I can see that he's going to be very successful because of the hard work he's put into it. So, again, it doesn't matter, you know, how, how little you think your idea is or how big it is. It, it, the littlest idea could make you a million dollars today. You just have to be passionate mm-hmm. and stay, stay, stay the course. Yes, and persistence, and perse- persistence and perseverance is so important when you pursue anything. And I'm so glad you shared that story because ultimately the best of ideas without persistence and perseverance will not translate to success. No, no. You know, I, I think that one, one of the positives or one of the driving forces behind me wanting to be successful was being a professional boxer. You know, when you step inside of a box and when you have that mentality that you, in order to not get beat, you know, I used to say, hey, you're going to have to kill me. You know, if you knock me down, I'm going to pick myself back up. And so that was the mentality stepping inside of a boxing ring. I've been able to take that same mentality outside of the boxing ring and into the business world and be fairly successful at anything that I've ever uh, tried mm-hmm. to tackle, you know, business-wise. So, I think and that, again, it's very important. Yes, and you have been very successful in taking this advice and applying it to your own not-for-profit, right? You had a passion about saving teenage lives based on experiences that you have been a part of. And then you have taken the same blueprint and you are in the process of building a very, very important, timely and impactful not-for-profit. Why don't you take a moment and talk about how you applied some of these learnings to your own nonprofit startup and where we are with that? Sure. You know, I, as you know, I started No Team Writers about two years ago. And, I, you know, when I started down that road, I had not really struggled with it, but the timing wasn't right because at the, when I wanted to initially launch it, it was right when the economy had just went south on everybody. That was in 2007 and eight, correct? Mm-hmm. And so I said, well, maybe it's not the time. The timing wasn't right, even though I knew that I had to do something. So... I, I kind of went back and forth, and, you know, I talked to a few people, and everyone said, oh, that, that's not going to work, you know, you're not going to be successful. So, I, again, I found that as a challenge. I said, you know what, I'm going to make this a successful venture or nonprofit. And as you know, we've talked about this. I said I wanted my logo someday to be as well as recognized as a McDonald's logo. So when people mm-hmm. see that emblem, the logo we have for No Teen Writers, they're going to say, wow, that's, that's a driving program. So, again... You know, I, I found it, a ch- it was a challenge, and I love challenges. So, I, you know, being, being in the business world, I knew what I needed to do to go out and get, you know, the logos registered and trademarked so that I could protect those. I knew that I had to, uh, to go out and apply for a 501c3 nonprofit status, which we did. So there, there was a lot of steps involved in that. And, again, I've had people call me and say, how, how do you set up a nonprofit? So I'll walk some of these people through the steps and say, this is what you need to do. You know, but again, you have to persevere. You have to have that fighter mentality in you that I'm not going to quit and I'm not going to give up until this is a success. That is true. And that is priceless advice, right? Even when there are once in a while roadblocks and once in a while failures, it doesn't mean the entire pursuit is a failure. It's just that 
one step didn't work out, just take a step back and restart, right? Correct. You know, if you look at Henry Ford, how many times did Henry Ford fail before he came, became successful? I think it was probably mm-hmm. three or four times. If yes. you look at some of the, the greatest business owners, you know, in the, in the country, the, these guys that are multimillionaires and, you know, some of the people that have come before us with businesses, they've, they've all failed. So I think, you know, one of the fears for many people is failure. And that's why a lot of people want to step out of their, their comfort zone mm-hmm. and, and pursue whatever it is that they're passionate about because they're, they're, they are fearful of failure. And there's nothing wrong with failing because I think when you do fail, it, it actually makes you that much stronger of a person. It makes you take a step back. And like you said earlier, you have to take a step back and you have to overcome certain obstacles that are, mm-hmm. that come your way. Cause everything, you know, everything isn't easy in life. If it was, then everybody would own companies and, you know, everybody would be very successful. But again, it's not easy. You just have to persevere and you have to be strong. I think you have to have a strong mm-hmm. mind and, and, and be a very strong-willed person. Yes, and knowing that failure is actually one more reason y- you find out how not to do, right? Like Edison invented the bulb after a thousand tries. He f- he learned how not to make a light bulb th- in a thousand different ways, right? <laughs> and <laughs> I personally believe we are not a failure until we've given up. As long that as we're true. in there that batting, we're in there trying, we are figuring out. So failure is stopping to figure out. That, that's my theory. That's what I always tell my students too. As long as you're trying, you're not failing. You are finding different no. ways of how not to do it. Don't make the same mistake a second time because then that's a problem. And there's, and there's nothing wrong with that because, you you know, I, I always tell people if you learn from those mistakes and you don't repeat those mistakes over and over, then, then you're, you're success. You know, yes. but if you continue to make those same mistakes, then maybe maybe business isn't yes, for you. But yes. you, know, you 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 have to. You know, I was fortunate. I my paving company actually survived the terrible recession we had or depression, whatever you want to call that. Mm-hmm. And I've been now been in business for thirty years, and my clients are now starting to call me back, and my company is building back up again to where it was, you know, ten years ago. But again, even with that obstacle, that and that was a tough obstacle. You know, I yes. stopped many, there was many days I stopped and said, wow, what am I doing? Do I, do I want to continue down this path? You know, do I want to do, continue to run this company? And for me, I had, you know, 20 years already behind me. And I'm thinking, I, I can't just walk away from this. You know, even to this day, yes, I am pursuing other, um, other ventures as you, you're aware of. But mm-hmm. I will never, ever walk away from my paving company because there's so much of my, of me in it. You know, that's, that's me. That's my life. That's 30 years of my yes. life. I can't just walk away from that. That's part of your legacy. And with that thought, let's take our final break, come back, and uh, share your final thoughts with our audience. Organizational training does not have to be a difficult job. Visit Dr. Cass Henry's site to find out more about her organizational training curriculum development and global organizational training webinars. These informative webinars cover leadership development, career path and succession planning, financial performance improvement and change management, and corporate finance. For more information, please visit CassHenry.com and follow Cass Henry on Facebook. That's K-A-S-Henry.com. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. If you are looking for an outstanding keynote speaker, look no further than Dr. Cass Henry. 
Cass is available to speak to your company. She also offers organizational leadership development seminars and workshops. These seminars can integrate learning and development, customer service, processes, and financial growth. Positive, motivated employees care about their customers and work products. Visit CassHenry.com or follow Dr. Cass Henry on Facebook. That's CassHenry.com for more information. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at VoiceAmericaTRN. You're listening to Unleash Your Inner Goldilocks. How to get it just right. To reach Dr. Cass Henry or her guest today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Henry at hotmail.com. Now, back to this week's program. back to Unleash Your Inner Goldilocks, How to Get It Just Right. You're joining us in the final episode of Sports as a Business Lessons from a Pro. Alan, welcome back to our final segment here. And we were talking about the not-for-profit you started, No Teen Writers, and how you took all your uh, examples and lessons and tools you had outlined in your book, Unprotected, and you've applied them to do your not-for-profit startup. You've also taken the marketing and promotional aspect of what you've learned from your business, of your professional boxing and your paving business. And you're also beginning to apply that as you build your not-for-profit. Could you take a moment and talk about some of the fundraisers you're doing and why you are taking the approach you are taking? Sure. Um, as you know, September 6th, we're going to be doing a fundraising celebrity golf tournament in uh, Montebello at the Montebello Country Club. And the reason I'm doing that was, uh, again, to raise money for No Teen Writers for the nonprofit that I started two years ago. I felt that that was another way to market No Teen Writers to get the word out and then have you know celebrities show up to play golf. And that should be a fun day. Again, we're going to do that on September 6th down in Montebello at the Montebello Country Club. The entry fees for that are going to probably be $150 per, mm-hmm. uh, per person, and we're going to have foursome set up. So it'll be a threesome, basically, with a celebrity, either a boxer or an actor or some famous chef or somebody. Um, again, I, again, I felt that it was a, a great way to raise money for the nonprofit. And which we need in the nonprofit that, that keeps us that kind of keeps us going and moving forward and allows us to do what we have to do by getting the word out with uh, with these license plate frames and the decals and everything else and the edu- educational program that we have in place for no teen writers. That is important, and through the celebrity uh, engagement then you're also building more awareness, more recognition, getting the message out there. And that is also a page people can take in terms of their own business or their own endeavors of promoting them. Yes, again, you have to be creative, be it a nonprofit or a paving company or even a mobile DJ. When when you mm-hmm. have a business or if it's selling flowers, you always have to be thinking, okay, how am I going to market this company? How can I 
do something that my competitor's not doing. So there's, you, you just have to stop, take, you know, take a step back and, and, and get, put a little bit of thought into it. And that will help you be successful. You know, again, I've seen many businesses start, as you know, the rule of thumb in a business, when they start, if you don't make it past five years, and a lot of businesses don't make it past five years, probably because they didn't have the right marketing plan in place or they didn't have enough money, enough capital to, to back their company for that first five years. That's, that's the toughest time for a business and, and getting through those first five years. You know, again, I've now I've been in business for almost 30 years. So I, I've been very fortunate. And again, I did my homework when I, I needed to do my homework and I knew what I needed to do to be able to be successful, uh, you know, be it my paving company or be it uh, mm-hmm. an author writing a book or running a nonprofit. Excellent. And so if folks want to read your book and get more of your guidance and advice, and tips, where can they find the book? I saw that it's being sold at Barnes and Nobles as well as Amazon. There's a Kindle version. There's a hardcover version. Can you give some information to the audience so that they can go and get their hands on these books? Sure. They can, they can like you said, you can either get it at Barnes and Noble online. So if you go to Barnes and Noble online, you can purchase it there. You can purchase it at Amazon. You can purchase it at iBooks. There's an array of places. I actually went on the internet and just it was amazed. I was amazed at how many different uh, avenues that were out there where you could purchase my book. So if you go, what I would say is type in Barnes and Noble, type in the title of the book, Unprotected, and then type my name in Alan Santana. That's A L A N S A N T A N A. That will bring up the page for the book, and then you can purchase the book. Or if you don't want to do that, you can actually purchase the book on my website at www.alansantana.com. So it's available there as well. Thank you very much for sharing that, Alan. And as uh, we bring this show to a close, what final advice do you have for both young and young at heart? who are trying to pursue their dreams, take their passion and turn it into something larger to generate some economic opportunities for themselves. What advice do you have for them as your final thoughts? I would uh, say, first of all, never ever let anybody tell you that you can't do something and never give up on your dreams. I was, you know, I tell people to this day, I'm still chasing my dreams. I truly am. Mm-hmm. I think that that's important because once you allow somebody to kind of get into your mindset that, hey, you can't do this. And there are a lot of naysayers in the world. Yeah, I'm sure you're aware of that. Oh, yes. That you, you have to kind of push that aside again. You have to be strong with it. And I just say, stay the course. You know, what if, I, I don't care if you want to sell candy on a corner sell candy on a corner be successful take that from a corner now move it into a store you know but don't give up on your dreams don't let anybody tell you that you cannot do something you know I when I go into schools and I which I love doing it with the elementary school children I tell mm-hmm. them I said look you could grow up and be president of the United States that's how great this country is that we live in so never ever take no or no I that you can't for an answer just you know keep uh, keep your your mind just keep it all, um, open mind and just stay the course and you can do whatever you want to do in this in this world and in this life. That is such wonderful advice and what I love about the way you do things and the way you collaborate and help people is the fact that you actually see other people's potential and you really, in your heart, believe and desire for them to succeed. And so thank you so much for bringing that passion and that care into this conversation, Alan. I am sure our audience have enjoyed this and 
Look forward to having you on to talk about other important things as we help our audience pursue their own economic empowerment. Thank you, Dr. Henry, for having me on. I appreciate that. I look forward to returning again. Thank you. Thank you so very much, Alan. It has been an honor to have you on the show. And to my audience, the show is all about our shared journey and staying true to this goal. I will continue to bring content that helps everyone transform ourselves and communicate and build our communities the way we want them to be. Please share our conversations with one another and help spread the positive impacts. Don't keep it your personal secret. The more people know about it, the more people can apply it, the more viable our society becomes. I'm also very keen on hearing from you. Please send me your thoughts as well as your ideas for future shows. I can be emailed at drcasshenry at hotmail.com. That is D-R-K-A-S-H-E-N-R-Y at hotmail.com. As we bring the show to an end and this episode comes to a close, I would really like to leave my audience with some valuable thought nuggets. How we manage our money and financial state is how we truly manage our lives. So let's not forget to make our life and our financial well-being the focus. If we don't focus on it, we are not going to accomplish anything that is relevant to our own financial well-being. No one else is going to do it for us. We have to care enough about ourselves to make it happen. And this show is all about helping each other transform and become the best each of us could be. So as we continue with our journey, and as each of you go out there and live your life every day, remember, every human interaction is an opportunity for our transformation. So let's go out there, transform lives, and please don't forget to start with your own. Thank you very much, and God bless you. Thank you for tuning in to Unleash Your Inner Goldilocks, how to get it just right. Please join Dr. Cass Henry again next Monday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for another edition of the program. We'll see you then. Thank you.